Alright, what's up everybody? Uh, this is Fred from uh, Gaming History 101, and I also have Mr. Jam Elias with me. Hey, hey. And Mr. Voss. Hey. How's it going? Uh, we brought the band back together to kind of uh, wrap up something we started um, back in, uh, what, what was it now, like four weeks ago. <laughs> The Silent Threevil episode. We gave uh, plenty of love to Resident Evil 3 and Interpretation, but unfortunately we did not give as much love and especially Interpretation to Silent Hill 3, which is unfortunate because that was kind of the whole reason Voss was really on there. So, Or it was the, the primary reason he was coming on. So I thought we'd get back together and talk about it. Um, but just so we can have an open discussion that doesn't get interrupted by anything, I should also note that uh, if you're listening to this the week that we did the 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 Obsidian but or the Crimson Butterfly episode, um, so that would be the week of Halloween. Uh, you should know that next week we didn't get a chance to announce that we are doing our Spyro the Dragon episode. So we're going to cover Spyro one, two, and three, and it might take me a little bit of time, so it might come out late on Wednesday, but uh, I'm going to do some post-production edition of the soundtracks, the appropriate soundtracks, as people have pointed them out to me. So uh, mm-hmm. watch for that next week. Anyway, um, <clears throat> well, Mr. Voss, I think uh, we should just uh, – it's going to be an open forum discussion, but I think we should kick it off with you. Um, am I correct that this is your favorite Silent Hill? Yes. I'm – Gonna just open end it with yes. why? <laughs> uh, primarily, mainly just the story. Okay. Uh, it does. It actually is the only one in the series that actually gives me a, a creeped out feeling. Where well, four makes me a little terrified to play it, but that's because it has an unkill multiple unkillable enemies, and that's kind of my weakness. Oh, fantastic! But, <laughs> I can't wait to try the room. I don't love that. <laughs> but three is the only one that actually gives me like an uneasy feeling. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, you know, actually, to a certain extent, I can agree with that. Except, I got to be honest with you, two kind of creeped me the hell out as well. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) I mean, Pyramid Head in and of himself, and I'm sorry to like kind of, and we won't be going on some Silent Hill 2 tangent, but he he was as effective as, uh, I guess, popular culture would like you to believe he is. And I've pretty much avoided much coverage on him other than when I played through Silent Hill 2. Um, But having said that, 3 was the one where I felt like, I guess I would say, creeped out all the time there's typically a downtime or like a safe point or something that makes you kind of take a breath of fresh air and in three you rarely get that and even when you do like in your father's apartment it's immediately followed by some pretty tragic events yes (laughs) and so i get that it's like i mean it's it's probably one of the more compact of the series but it packs a pretty concentrated punch in that short time yeah so, um, so yeah, I get that. In fact, like, I, I can't lie since we, I, I, how do I put this? I, it's very much like if you read the kind of weird review that I just posted up on fatal frame two, it's one of those silent Hill three. I had a very similar experience with in terms of like my interpretation of it because I played it so recently and so far after its release, like, I appreciate what that game did and is trying to do and what it effectively pulls off. 
but I wouldn't per se say I enjoyed my time with it as much as I should have. And I've actually been getting the feeling, and it's funny that I do it right as Halloween's approaching and I really don't have any time left, um, that I want to replay that game. So that might be something I'll replay in the winter, especially knowing that I can really take my time and not have to worry much about it. Mm-hmm. But... And you can always go for the UFO ending, cut your playtime in half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. There is that, but I... I kind of want to uh uh see the whole vomiting of the devil again uh (laughs) (laughs) there are a few scenes that exist in a video game that are quite as effective as that (laughs) so um i don't know it's just everything in it feels like do you know how silent hill one and two just kind of felt like this was a place where much like fatal frame it is a place where a tragedy happened and you happen to stumble upon it and Mm -hmm. There are weird people here and there, you know, things like that. Silent Hill 3 is dirty. <laughs> it's it's filthy. It's a filthy world, even in the light version of the world or the quote-unquote normal version of the world. It's a dirty, gross, you-don't-want-to-be-there foreboding world. Um, and I, I do apologize. Can someone help me? Who's the main character again? Heather. Heather, thank you. <laughs> I can almost hear your eyes rolling as I ask that. Um, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, Heather's character, it almost feels like her connection to the whole thing brings Silent Hill to wherever she is as opposed to in every other one, it seemed like they were kind of emerging into Silent Hill. You know what I mean? Well, I'm, she's basically the only protagonist of the series that has any legitimate connection to the town other than just being dragged into it by chance or whatever. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, she is created by the town, right? She is create. She's created by the one who possesses the evil of the town, or whatever. Right. Yeah. So I mean, so, technically, I mean, a cultist or her dad, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, uh, I mean, is how many? T- I'm curious. How many times have you played through Silent Hill Three? <laughs> Uh, only five. I think I remember you saying that last on the last show. And yeah. you, and you, Jam. How many times have you played through Silent Hill Three? Two. Ah, gotcha. Um, so do you tend to play through it like ritualistically? Because I know it was a little more recent that you played it for the first time. Well, definitely not ritualistically. I mean, it, well, the, the first time was obviously for the, um, well, way back in the original Silent Hill Evil podcast. <laughs> the first one we ever did. Oh, really? Was, yeah, yeah. That was your remember? first time with three? Well, it was a couple of weeks before that because we were doing but... some quite um, early preparation. And I played it again probably about a month ago. Right. Because uh, we were talk- uh, in preparation for the other, for Silent, yeah, Silent Evil free, with free, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> this one. You got it. Um,. Now, Voss, do you do you play it like every year, or is it just whenever you feel like you walk past it and you're like, uh, eh, it's time to knock this back one more time? Uh, I don't really play it. It's been a while since I'd played it before, like maybe uh, two years before we did the podcast that I last played it. But it's more just sometimes I'll just go through the mood where it's like, hey, I want to run through all the uh, Silent Hill games again, and so I do. <laughs> and... Unfortunately, I have enough free time to actually do that. <laughs> oh, do not say unfortunately. I don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it gets unfortunate when you get into the later titles. 
Oh. <laughs> yeah, it does, actually. Yeah, I, I sadly can't speak to those. Uh, the only one I know is Shattered Memories, or whatever the Climax one was on the Wii, and I hear that yeah. one is regarded as of the better of the newer ones. That is the best of the non-Team uh, Silent ones, in my opinion. Gotcha. Okay. So I really need to play some of that bad shit, like uh, <laughs> like Homecoming or something, huh? <laughs> I liked Homecoming. The only one I didn't like was Downpour. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to pretend I know. Uh, is that also PS3 360? Yeah. Yes. Okay, okay. I'll get on that. Um, but, uh, yeah. Oh, by the way, actually, while we were talking about this, I did get my hands on a... Uh, translated copy of the GBA, uh, the play novel. Yes. Oh, wow. There's a translated copy for, of all things, they ported it to the Mega Drive and translated it. Of course. <laughs> but it's in Russian and I don't know Russian either. So <laughs> I'm faced with a new problem, but somehow I'm going to find an English version of this game or game. I've looked, but I've never found one, but I admittedly haven't looked that hard. The second I do, you'll get a copy of the ROM so that we can discuss it on the next episode. But, yeah, let's whip this back to uh, to Silent Hill 3. So, um, <clears throat> Jam, who is your most, uh, like, who is your most influential, you know, moment, boss, character? Like, what really sticks with you when you, when you think back on this game? It sounds quite, quite poor, but I actually really like the first boss, like the giant worm. Because it was quite unexpected. <laughs> yeah, and it's a weird hybrid of kind of. No, I'm not even going to go there. But yes, it's it's very, it's very foreboding. It's we, uh, yeah. We're going to go back to the sort of the hung jokes again. Well, <laughs> well, that's kind of the interesting thing about the worm, right? Because it comes out kind of as a phallic symbol, like the worm can be. But at the same time, it like opens up and and tries to consume you, hmm. which. I'm not going to do like a dual genitalia thing here, but almost as much <laughs> as, you know, it's typically phallic symbols are threatening because they try to pierce, penetrate, or kill you and, and you know, bore you. Uh, that's B-O-R-E, not the other way around. But uh, but as opposed to this, where it looks phallic, but it's trying to consume you. Like, I don't know. It's very interesting. Uh, and, uh, and it really made me think back to uh, of all things nightmare on elm street part three if you've ever if you guys are big horror fans um where there's a big freddy krueger worm that kind of tries to swallow patricia arquette whole if you've not seen it it is a scene to be to bear witness to but uh um i don't know i kind of like the worm because it was the first boss that you encounter and i just knew how to deal with it it was big it was freaky and i just blew it away i guess <laughs> i know the worm's quite an easy boss but because it's in the um, the shopping mall, and it's quite because what I found quite interesting about Silent Hill Three is the, some of the main enemies are absolutely gigantic. Those those like mm-hmm. kind of like giant things of those big like bulging arms. I nicknamed them mongrels that pop out of them. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And you just kind of think, oh, they they can't possibly get any worse than that. And it's like, oh, okay. Then there's a giant worm as well. So <laughs> so it's just more that like I was saying earlier is unexpected. Yeah, well, and if you think about it, up to this point, we don't have a whole lot of bosses, do we, in the Silent Hill world? Well, uh, kind of. I mean, they have some, but, I mean, it's never really been the focal point of the series, except for, like, the last one. 
Right. I mean, like, I guess Pyramid Head kind of counts as a boss, but he's really more of like a consistently emerging character. And there are a handful of them in Silent Hill, too. But two didn't really have a lot. The only one I can really think of is Pyramid Head, kind of, and Eddie. And <laughs> yeah, I guess Gloria. Eddie. Eddie was a good one. <laughs> for a boss fight. Well, and there's the doorman, no pun intended. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess I see your point. Uh, I don't know. For some reason, this was the first one that seemed to have consistent and distinct boss battles like you kind of come to a culmination or, or a, a completion of the of the level and just before you do you encounter massive enemies uh the sewer kind of throws or sewer subway kind of throws that off but for the most part yeah mm-hmm. so um it's also interesting because silent hill 3 is one of the first ones to me that you're dealing with we well no actually I'm I'm realizing maybe this is more par for the course but like this was the first time where I felt like I was dealing with weird mutants a crazy occultists um demonic entities like it, they kind of cover a lot of the the horror bases uh as you go through this game it's a bit more pronounced in this one than it was in the previous two mm-hmm Especially after two, because that didn't have anything to do with the cult. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hear there's okay. So let's let's discuss the occult for a second, if you guys don't mind me moving on. Okay. Uh, actually, Voss, I'm sorry, I didn't ask you who your favorite boss is. I do have to know that. Um. Uh, or is it I mean, well, the question you asked Jam was which was your fa- was your favorite moment when you're. But you're asking me the, the no, boss. No, yeah, let boss. me let me take that back and let me ask you the exact same question. Yes, <laughs> what's your yeah. favorite moment and or whatnot of Silent Hill Three? It might be a little cheesy and sentimental, but honestly, the part that always hits me the most is Harry's death. That was hmm. the biggest one yeah. for me. Because that's like there aren't many moments in a game that'll get me emotional, and that is one of them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting too because it has a, a different layer of depth if you've played the original. Because, I mean, you go through the entire thing, you're looking at it from his perspective, and then essentially that's the moment where he basically fails. Yeah, that's very true. And it it just really gets to me every time. Well, you know what's interesting? For me, the reason I kind of had... And, and again, my emotional response to video games is wishy-washy at best. Um, but there's no rhyme or reason as to why I react to certain things. And... Uh, the whole father-daughter thing I do a little bit, and it's not just because I have a daughter, but it got a little too close to home for me with that one. Um, the reason being is, you know, when you play the first Silent Hill, you are the protagonist, Harry. So you kind of sit there and you're like, okay, so this is me as the protagonist moving on later in a different game. And so that could be me watching, you know, dying and failing to my daughter's face and things like that. And again, I, I didn't consciously personify it. Or, or kind of put myself in that role, but I was affected as if that connection was kind of made. So somewhere subconsciously, I did make that kind of mental connection. And it was, it was a strong scene for me as well. Um, so I could definitely see that being um, a, a very significant scene. Um, I think for for me, actually, just staying on this conversation for a sec... Mine is the amusement park. The first bit, the first visit, or the second visit? Sorry, the second visit. Yeah, the second visit has more to it. <laughs> the first visit, it's not really formed. 
it's more of a backdrop, a pre-rendered background, if you will. The second time is kind of something that I have always been fascinated by, and it probably comes with the fact that I grew up near a Six Flags amusement park, uh, Great America, um, and they do this thing called Fright Fest, which I'm sure every amusement park in the country does around Halloween, where for the month of October, they basically haunt the place. Um, but they spare no expense, and they pay a lot of guys to run around with costumes on. All the fountains and pools and everything in the area become blood, and the water rides become blood, and... Uh, they have torches and the Michael Myers music plays everywhere you walk, but it's not like the, the do, 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 do. It's the slow one where he's like chasing you like the dunt, dunt, you know, and stuff like that. And so guys can like come up and, and scare you all the time. And there's all this horror stuff. And so the amusement park was kind of like, if you got to an amusement park and suddenly this shit was real, that's kind of like the reality of that. And, uh, and that fucking bunny costume guy is just, <laughs> Robbie the Rabbit. Robbie the Rabbit's something else. I gotta say, uh, <laughs> uh, screenshots of him are probably some of the most common, like, scenery of a five most disturbing whatever moments in video gaming kind of thing. And I don't think very many people actually cite him specifically, but it's a good, like, opener picture. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. What about you guys? Did you have any strong effects with the, the amusement park? Do you like it? Do you not like it? It's got some cheesy deaths. I'll admit that. <laughs> well, when we get into the uh, haunted house, which I realized I forgot to mention in the other podcast. Mm -hmm. I forgot about that. that <laughs> yeah, I, I really forgot to mention that. But that, that actually, it's kind of in this really cheesy way, but it, it does get to me. Well, in that I understand, and yeah, that's specifically what I what I think of the most because, again, in the center of any amusement park that's Halloweened up, you will have the four pay haunted house, and that's where I look at that. And you're right; it does have that sense of cheese, but I think the lifelessness of like those those cheap automated haunted houses almost make them potentially more effective than if you were in like a regular haunted house with bad guys in it, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think it's the fact that we aren't in danger that makes modern haunted houses or real life haunted houses um, as as effective as they are. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, that scene, that that whole sequence, but especially the haunted house scene, those are pretty. Those are pretty. You know, <clears throat> those are pretty significant for me. And uh, the fact that they added danger to where it would just be kind of like a safe, cheesy, you know, animatronic. Well, it's not fully animatronic, but you know what I mean. Like those cheap, run-down haunted houses mm -hmm. that makes it, I don't know, just so good. Just just that, that something might be, you know, looming in the dark uh, when you least expect it. Uh, probably also comes with, uh, I think, the most effective haunted house, probably because I was young growing up, was uh, an automated haunted house. It was so automated, you put a token into it to walk in. <laughs> <laughs> you bought a token at a register across the street for five bucks and you stuck the token in there and then it was self-guided and it's uh it was fantastic <laughs> but um well real quick so what i wanted to switch gears with was um and voss i'd like to open with your opinion um, one of the biggest criticisms I heard about this particular game, um, and I'm speaking mostly from Retronauts and a couple of random people I've talked to on forums and stuff, uh, is the whole occult thing. Uh, it seems to be very mixed within the Silent Hill community, the presence 
of the fact that this is all based on an occult. Almost kind of pulls back the curtain a little bit. Um, it was the part of the story that people don't like. I don't know if they would prefer aliens or supernatural beings to be the better explanation or what really. Um, but I'm curious your thoughts on that. I'm not sure I understand the question. How do you feel about the fact that they reveal the plot line that the occult is heavily involved in this? And essentially it is kind of like the, the catalyst and the source of it all. Um, they hint at it in the first game, but it's not really canonized and put it in your face until this one. I frankly don't see the issue. I mean, they've, I, in some cases, it's probably best not to explain things like with, you know, midichlorians and that sort of thing. <clears throat> but right. in this case, I mean, you kind of want to know what happened. And I mean, just saying, oh, Alessa did it. Well, that that doesn't tell anything. They kind of have to give some reasoning behind that. I, I do agree with you there. So, so for you, you really don't take issue with it. It's an explanation that should have been given, and you're fine with the explanation that Team Silent chose to give. Well, yeah, they created the story. They can pick whatever the hell they want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. That that came with it, the, <laughs> the, the, the snarky belief. I, I think it works. It, it right. works as well as I as, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I pretty much agree with that myself. Uh, Jam, I'm curious your thoughts. The occult. So, well, the uh, I, I was going to probably mention this later, but I don't think it, I don't think it's um, a problem in the games. But when they bring it into the the films, um, I thought I thought that was a bit. They they just completely made it something that they didn't need because it's like Voss said, you don't need to put much thought into it. I, I have no problem with there being the sort of reference to the occult, and I kind of like. I I, I guess I prefer Silent Hill kind of being more like two, and kind of or. Well, and Origins and Homecoming, the Origins, that, that has the economy as well, where it's yeah. more just about the individual rather than this kind of background thing. But in a way, um, three and one aren't really about the occult, but when they do the films, they do make it more emphasis on there. So I'm wondering if this kind of bad press is more from what the, what the films did as opposed to what the games did. Um, cause to me, it seems that in the games, the occult seems a lot more of a background presence as opposed to a focus on the actual storyline. Right. Well, and, and again, when you deal with someone like Retronauts or a show like Retronauts or even ours, um, you get to this point where it just depends on how into the game they're discussing or the series they're discussing mm. the particular people talking are. So that may be the bias in and of itself. Yeah. I mean, personally, I, I had no problem with it. Although I think having played it now and then rewatching the second Silent Hill movie, which I do not recommend. I, oh, I watched that recently. I watched it yesterday, and I don't recommend it. Doesn't it, like, break your heart more to know, know. What, what could have been? <laughs> it, it, it was worse than the first time I watched it, I swear. <laughs> well, because the first one's okay. It kind of fuses together yeah. one and two, in, or the concepts in one and two in this weird way, and it, it, it works. But uh, <laughs> the second one really feels kind of like the second Resident Evil movie where they were like, we're going to put everything that's in the game, but we are not going to follow that plot line. <laughs> and we're going to... No, really, to me, the first uh, Silent Hill feels more like the second Resident Evil, and then the second Silent Hill is just shit. <laughs> Touche. Okay. <laughs> it is well, bad. <laughs> and, and so what Voss is really saying is don't watch movies based off of horror video games. It just doesn't work out very well. <laughs> first Resident Evil, go ahead. But yeah, I, I guess mean, well, I like the Resident Evil movies, and I can get certain entertainment out of the Silent Hill movies, but... I wouldn't recommend it. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right. Well, uh, I mean, we'll probably wrap this up in a little bit, but I definitely wanted to make sure we address everything uh, you guys still wanted to address. So um, I, I guess we'll start with Jam. Jam, is there anything else you wanted to discuss about this? Anything you wanted to talk about? Anything that stuck with you? Well, I really want to know what Vosfire's opinion was of the second movie, but he's already done that now, so he's going to support my question. (laughs) (laughs) Would you care to elaborate at all, Mr. Voss? (laughs) Okay, well, uh, basically, my problems with both of the movies is that they either needed to completely stick to the source material or go a completely different direction, like with the first Resident Evil movie. Because there was no reason they had to stick to the cult. Out of, like, the main seven games in the series, if you take out Shattered Memories, only three of them had to do with the occult. Everything else has to do with a completely different character thrown into the town. They could have done a completely original storyline, and it have worked just fine. I would agree with you there. And that bugs me. And, I mean, they made just stupid, arbitrary changes, like changing Cheryl's name to Sharon for no fucking reason. (laughs) And, uh, but they kept Alessa because that's not a weird name, but Cheryl is. (laughs) I totally agree with you there. Well, it's just one of those things where, yeah, because I mean, didn't, you know, not to talk too much about a different movie, but the Resident Evil movies, like they kind of figured that out. They went in a weird direction. Then they roped it more back into the game because I'm sure they read criticisms where people were like, I want it to be more like the game, but nobody would have wanted to watch a retelling of the game. Um, And uh, and so they did. They were like, okay, we'll do fan service. And when they got like close enough, but tried to do their own thing also, which is kind of what that second movie Silent Hill does, uh, it went real bad real fast. And so then the Resident Evil movies like, oh, okay, we're gonna do this side stupid crazy jump the shark shit, and uh, and we'll just uh, stick to our own stuff. And yeah, I, I think. Silent Hill's probably done for good as far as a movie series, but if they ever do think to revitalize it, I agree with you. They need to take the concept of the town and uh, potentially any background themes and introduce a whole new character and make their own movie. Well, I mean, at the end of the second movie, they had a ref- they had basically it leading into the possibility of the main character from uh, Silent Hill Six being. There, because they had the prison transport bus going into Silent Hill, so they could do <laughs> an adaptation of Downpour if they wanted to. Great! <laughs> the worst game may be the best movie, huh? <laughs> no, it, it's it's not that the game the gameplay is bad, but the story is fine. Okay, that's my issue with it. Gotcha. That's going to be my biggest issue if I ever <laughs> brace myself and play it, too. Uh, I almost excuse gameplay over story. Almost. Again, uh, it's one of those things. They made arbitrary changes to the gameplay that they that it, they were trying to fix some gameplay mechanics that weren't broken. Yeah, so That's my that opinion on it. No, yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right, Mr. Jam, anything else you care to address? Well, I think Silent Hill 3 is... Well, it's probably not my favourite in the Silent Hill series, but it probably has the most memorable kind of scare moments, which we did briefly discuss in the last podcast, like the mannequin moment and the bathtub moment, oh, which, yeah. which I thought was brilliant. The mannequin moment and the bathroom moment, actually, if you've got a save file from Silent Hill, <laughs> what is it, 2? Yeah, Silent Hill 2. Yeah, not cool. <laughs> I, was, I was more referring to that, the scene where you, you know when you see the um, the mirror and there's oh, the bathroom yeah. in the middle and the, the blood's pouring out of it and then your reflection just stands still. Yeah, yeah no, a... I know that one, and and that's a, that's an effective 
bit of trickery uh, I've always mm-hmm. dug in, in, in horror movies. I don't think they really top that for the rest of the... I know, I know that Teen Silent obviously didn't do, but they don't... That, that sort of, in terms of the horror part, I think Silent Hill 3 really, really nails it. Um, but... I think it's a great game to go back to still because it's quite it's relatively short and so it's very, once you've got your got your head around the for the first few well the first playthrough it, you, it doesn't take you long to go through it another time. I mean, once so you have it, your checklist of okay here's yeah. what I'm going to do and you're not like trying to effectively maneuver the game while also figuring out what to do. Yes, I agree with you mm. there. Yeah, kind of like the PlayStation One versions of Resident Evil. <laughs> Yeah, although don't ask me to replay Silent Hill 1 without looking up a guide because I can't remember <laughs> some of the finer points of the later areas of that game. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's the scariest of the, the first three, um, mm-hmm. and that's mostly because Harry Mason's story is more – Silent Hill 2, for those that haven't played them um, – is more – when you stop, I mean, it does have scary moments, but you really got to stop and think about what everything was. And when you reflect back on it, you're like, oh, damn. <laughs> Whereas this is, this is very in your face. It's not that it's not a deep game, but the danger and fear and horror elements are clear, as clear as they can be. So, but uh, anyway, mm-hmm. um, and Mr. Voss, is there anything you'd care to uh, elaborate on, continue on, et cetera, et cetera, about Silent Hill 3? Uh, not unless you have anything specific. <laughs> no, i got to be honest with you, I don't. Um, but I did want to be able to kind of discuss some of the things we were kind of trying to rush through at the end there. And I think, I think we've done a pretty decent job of doing so. I'm satisfied. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, as, as long as there is satisfaction... We shall call this to a close. However, uh, Mr. Voss, you are, of course, um, uh, invited to come along with us when we delve into uh, Resident Evil Code Veronica and The Room next. That's going to be a great one. I'm <laughs> going to, when, you get, when Fred finally plays it. I'm going to have <laughs> to sit down and grind through the, what, 22 hours of The Room or whatever yeah, it is? Yeah, you'll need to allow a bit of time for that, Fred, yeah, especially after yeah. Evil Within. <laughs> so, but... Well, um... Uh, Danielle Riendo from Polygon. I hate her outlet, but I, I like her. Uh, she apparently streamed all <laughs> 18, 20 hours of, of Silent Hill 4 it took her to do. Uh, and it took her like 28 hours to beat Alien Isolation. I was pretty much on that same track, so um, I could I could see it taking that long. But, uh, you know, I'll sit down with it. It's not impossible to beat, right? No. No, no, no. It's, it's, just, it's just long. Okay, it's, I can deal with long. It's long and kind of repetitive because you go through the same areas twice. Oh, well, cool. I just got done playing Fatal Frame 2, so I'll be just <laughs> yeah. fine with that. <laughs> oh, no, it's way better than Fatal Frame 2 in terms of backtracking. It's, at least it sort of does try to do well, something to differently. better. <laughs> like, meaning it's better at causing you to backtrack or it's better backtracking. <laughs> Well, it's it's almost like remixed black tracking. You, you oh, revisit okay. similar areas, but they've changed like okay. slightly. I'll give it a little bit of credit. Very slightly, very slightly. But <laughs> Wait, that your point was on the other side of the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> you'll probably turn around and say to me, "No, Jan, that was not right." <laughs> that was that. It's like PT. You just try to figure out with each circle what's changed. Um, Actually, PT is probably closest to Silent Hill Four. Oh, because that's the me. one that's that has be basically terrible. like. <laughs> That's the only one that has ghosts in it. Oh, yeah, good point, actually. Yeah, oh, there are ghosts right. in it. All oh, right. 
It has ghosts, yep. it has a serial killer, and it has a basically a first-person perspective in a single area that you have to track through. Oh, I can't wait. Um, and I don't mean that sarcastically. Like, <laughs> uh, I actually found PT to be highly effective and enjoyable. Um, in fact, I think I'll play through it tomorrow night with my wife just to fuck with her. Um, but, uh, but well, yeah. What's Halloween tomorrow? Yes, yes, it is. Um <laughs> And we'll be drunk because we're doing wine or treat where uh, the the kid gets – we're getting driven home. But uh, my daughter gets candy and we get wine. So uh, I, God bless that neighborhood. Um, but uh, but anyway, so we'll call this to a close. But, yes, we shall come back. Uh, Mr. Voss, you are, of course, invited. Uh, I'm seeing that being a probably tail end of winter kind of thing. I'm going to need some time with it. Um, although I'm making good progress with Secret of Mana. And the second I finish that, instead of going into Saken Dens 3, I think I'll just, uh, which is the sequel that we never got, uh, I think I'll just uh, uh, see if I can't get started on the room and, and see about breaching through that. So, anyway, without further ado, um, this is uh, Fred, and this is Jam Elias, I guess. <laughs> I, yes. I, I usually say, like, what's up, all games? Have a good night. But, you know, we can't do that, so. Uh, anyway, thank you, Jam, for joining us. And Voss um, and, and Well, I was going to do him next, and, and thank you, Mr. Voss. Uh, thank you guys both. Um, and stay tuned. Uh, and in case you're wondering, this is a continuation of the episode from uh, that went live on October the 1st, 2014, if you're looking on Gaming History 101, called Silent Threevil. It was approximately four episodes ago. And uh, I will put a link on this one to the original podcast and on the original podcast a link to this one. So they will be matched together. And until uh, next week, we'll see you guys later.